so a lot of you guys know LJ, our, our little 14-month-old daughter. Um, she does a lot of things really well. Uh, one of those, though, is not sleeping. Uh, she just doesn't sleep well at all. And uh, she's actually in another phase now where she doesn't sleep well at all. But when she was about, uh, I don't know, maybe six, seven months, man, it seemed like, you know, three hours was a good stretch for her. So we spent a lot of time up with her in the middle of the night. And uh, sometime, I think it was somewhere around the six-month mark, you know, we'd be up and, you know, she had a, her little nursery is, is the next room over from our master bedroom. So, you know, it'd be, you know, we'd hear her and we'd, you know, look at each other in the dark and, you know, figure out whose turn it was. And you go over there and there's nightlight there. And sometime in there, she started to recognize that there were these things on the wall uh, that like moved when she moved. And there was this baby on the wall, or at least the outline of a baby. And then somewhere along the line, it kind of connected the dots that like when she moved, it moved. And she thought that was the coolest thing. You know, she figured out this whole shadow thing. And so she'd sit there and wave and it would wave back and she'd move her head and it would move back. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, like I would get to where I'd sit down to where she couldn't see it because it would like actually wake her up more. She'd like see and interact with her shadow. And she just thought that was the neatest thing in the world, you know, to, to have this little baby on the wall there that would dance like when she danced and like see like that little person who has that power who all of a sudden realizes this is it. And, and then, you know, she'd like use her hands and make some things that, you know, looked maybe a little bit like animals. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a proud parent. So, I mean, she was a, she was an artist with this, you know, but she'd like have her hand up and, and I'd watch it. And it was so funny to just see that, that connection in her mind as she's realizing that like, that like there's the, the real LJ, but then there's also like the, the shadow on the wall that she could manipulate. And, and I don't know that she fully connected that, hey, this is a representation of me and I can make it bigger or smaller based on where I am in, in relation to the light source. But it was really funny to watch like how excited she could get about the way that she could kind of manipulate her projection up there and make it look how she wanted. And, and I started thinking about that and I was like, man, how often is that something that we do? Uh, and, and that's what today's passage is really all about. If you have your Bibles, open up to Colossians chapter 2. We're working our way through the book of Colossians. We're in Colossians 2, 16 through 23 today. And, and Paul's talking, and really he's talking about the idea of shadows or like what actual substance is. And, and maybe if we were to sum up this whole passage in just a sentence, it would be don't fall or don't get tripped up worrying about your shadow when the substance is really what we should be concerned about. And I mean, especially in our culture, I think we see that all over. You know, when we think of shadows like this projection, I mean, you know, all of us played around with shadows and we can make our shadow look way bigger than we are. You know, I can make myself 6'5 if I get the right shadow, right? And, and you, you can use your hands and make shadow puppets and, and you can make all these appearances of things that aren't real. It's just an appearance, but you can kind of manipulate that. And, and I think about how often we do that in our lives, how often we, we take and, and try and make shadows and, and let that be the representation of us instead of the actual substance. Uh, there's a devotion I do every day. I talk about it sometimes. Oswald Chambers is his name. But one of the things that he says uh, is that authenticity is, is when reality and appearance come together and are the same thing. And I think about that, and I think about us. I don't know about you, but for me, there's always that temptation to make the appearance better than the reality. 
to, to whether it's my Christian life or life in general or my marriage or, or me as a parent, you know, always put the best face forward. And, and, you know, how often have you used the phrase with your spouse where like things are not okay, but you're like, well, let's not fight in front of people. We'll do that in private, right? And, and don't get me wrong, it's, it's not good to have blow-ups in front of people. I mean, there's a reason that we don't generally argue in front of lots of people. Or like talking with your kids and like that car ride to church, you know, you're like, hey, let me tell you what to do. And then you get to church and you're like, okay, everyone smile, we're at church. You know, or I, I saw a stat the other day and, and it was something ridiculous. It was like the average American carries like $6,000 of credit card debt or something like that. And I mean, with that the shadows versus substance thing, right? Because that's spending money that I don't have for things that mostly I don't need but that make me look a little bit better. You know, I think about uh, things like, I mean, even, even like, you know, marriage is, is the real substance, but how often in our culture try and settle for, hey, I'm going to live with and sleep with this person I'm not married to. That's the shadow. That's not the substance. That's, that's trying to get what marriage gives us, but it won't ever give us because it's, it's like trying to make the appearance there when the reality is not there. And Paul's talking to this young church. I mean, you know, people there have not been Christians very long. We've gone over the backgrounds of Colossians. You know, it's 25, 30 years after Jesus rose from the dead. So like, there's nobody there that's been a Christian for very long. I mean, the, the longest term Christian has maybe been a believer for 30 years tops. And, and most of the folks in Colossians would be a whole lot less than that. So it's these young believers trying to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus. And, and, and there are these kind of two big groups of believers. Well, there's really only two groups of believers, uh, of Christians. And there are those who come from a Jewish background. And that was kind of tricky because they would bring their own kind of preconceptions and baggage into the faith. And if you're a Jewish believer, well, if you're a Jew before you were a Christian, if you were a Jew, then in order to be part of God's family and a member of God's kingdom, you know, you had to watch what you, what you ate how you dressed, how you observed the Sabbath, and you had to be circumcised. So there was kind of this checklist of things that you had to do. And, and all of that you would do, and you would do it with the right motives. Your motive was to be holy, but you had to run through those things. And then Jesus comes along, and Jesus says, hey, you don't need to do those things. You need to have a relationship with me. And, and when you have a relationship with me, like you're changing the substance of who you are. And so the appearance is going to change, and you're going to do all these things differently your motivation is not you do these things differently to earn your way to my kingdom. The difference is you have a relationship with me, and because you love me and love the things I love, your actions and everything you do changes because of that. So there are these Jewish believers who, when they became Christians, they sometimes would, would argue with these new Christians that, hey, you need a relationship with Jesus, and you need to hit these check marks that the Jewish folks had. You need to be circumcised, you need to dress a certain way, observe the Sabbath, and eat a kosher diet. So that was one group. The other group that became Christians was Gentile Christians. And, and Gentile is just everybody who is not Jewish. And if you're a Gentile Christian, chances are you came from a, a polytheistic background. Poly just means that there's lots of different gods. And so you came from this background where you'd worship all these different pagan gods, and you'd have all feast that you would do uh, where, where you would um, you know where you would offer sacrifices to this God or you would do this practice and then you came to this this relationship with Jesus you became a Christian where again it's about this relationship and following Jesus with everything I have 
when I do that, my behavior changes because I love the things that Jesus loves. But you're giving up you know, all these, these feasts and these ways that you could practice and appease whatever God you were worshiping. And so it was, it was this, this weird two backgrounds that people would come from. And so they're young Christians, and Paul's been talking about how important Jesus is and how Jesus, everything we do, so let's understand who Jesus is. And in chapter 3, Paul starts really hitting where the rubber meets the road and says, okay, this is then what it looks like for actions. But, it's there, Paul says, let's talk about the importance of making sure that we're not living a life of shadows, but that we actually figure out the substance of Christianity. And the substance of Christianity is not circumcision, is not dressing a certain way, is not eating a certain diet, is not offering sacrifices or observing all these pagan feasts. Rather, it's something a little bit different than that. So let's read. We're going to read through Colossians 2, 16 through 23. And we're going to go back and just work through word by uh, just verse by verse. But this is what Paul says. He says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teaching. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity of the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So let's go back to verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Uh, so this, he hits the, the background, the Jewish background, and the Gentile background, where he says, hey, like, don't get caught up in how you dress, what you do, the Sabbath, or the festivals, or anything that you're observing. He says, let's, let's remember really what we're about. That, that any, any practice of our faith, is a shadow. It's, it's a projection of what we really have going on. And he says, let's make sure that the substance belongs to Christ. If you're taking blanks, it's on the back of, the, uh, of your bulletin. And I'm not sure, I think our screens froze up, so I'll just make sure I read these through a couple times. So if you're, taking, if you're taking notes, the first blank is this. A huge part of our growth as Christians is to learn the difference between shadows and substance. All right, let me say that one more time. A huge part of our growth as Christians is to learn the difference between shadows and substance. Jesus is the substance of our faith. The things that we do, like those are shadows, those are reflections. And we know shadows, shadows tell us something, right? I mean, we can look at a shadow, and depending on where the light is, I mean, a shadow will give us sometimes an accurate representation, but you can also manipulate shadows. You can't manipulate the substance. And Paul says, before we even talk about how we live as Christians, let's make sure we remember what the substance of our faith is. And that's Jesus. 
It's not what we do. It's not the festival. It's not the way we dress. not the way even that we act. Although those all change when we become Christians. But rather, the very substance of our faith is Jesus. The next blank is this. And this is something that, that can be a danger for Christians, especially Christians who are Christians for a long time, is don't settle for legalism and rules. Christianity is so much better than that. All right, one more time. Don't settle for legalism and rules. Christianity is so much better than that. So if our faith just becomes, hey, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, and, and, and that's, that's my life, man, that is a miserable life. I mean, if, if we're living our life, like just trying to like hit these set of rules, I mean, that, that just that's exhausting. And at some point that falls apart. And we'll talk about a little while. And, and I mean, there's reason that we have rules, but, but if we ever become those Christians who are like, hey, I saw you drinking a beer, you're out. I mean, that, that's not okay. Because Christianity is a whole life relationship with Jesus. And what we do when we try and turn Christianity into rules, or like this set of rules that I'm going to impose on somebody else, is we actually cheapen our faith. Um, we, we, like, so Lori and I were talking last night, but the covenant of marriage uh, helps me understand my walk with Jesus. Just because marriage is the closest covenant we have in this world to the relationship I have with Jesus. And so my, my relationship with Jesus is more important than my marriage, but marriage helps understand that relationship with Jesus. We've talked about this before, but if I approach my marriage with what is the bare minimum I need to do to be married, that is not a good way to have a happy or healthy marriage, right? I mean, if, if I walk up to Lori and I'm like, hey, give me the bare minimum. Give me like the five things that I need to do that will keep you from divorcing me. I have not done that. I'm much wiser than that. But, right, right? But that is not that is not a good way to have a happy or healthy marriage. Like, I might have a marriage that doesn't end in divorce, but if my whole goal for marriage is to not end in divorce, man, that cheapens marriage. It makes marriage so much less than it can be. Because marriage, it is, it is whole, is this covenant relationship with another human where, where God created man and woman to come together where he said, you know, you, you leave your, your father and your mother, you become one flesh, and it allows me to understand my covenant relationship with my father in heaven better. Also, marriage, if it's done well and done right, allows me and my spouse to look more and more and more like Jesus. It allows us to not be okay with who we are now, but sharpen and encourage and challenge and push each other to look more and more like a representation of Jesus. It's joy-filled. It's not easy, but it's joy-filled and fulfilling and fun and encouraging and sharpening and all of that. And if I were to lower that to the standard of, hey, what do I do not to be divorced? Now, I'd still be married, but, but there's, there's no joy, no fulfillment in that marriage. And that's what we do when we try and turn Christianity into this set of rules that we follow. The, the third blank is this. The substance of Christ is a huge deal, and knowing Scripture is absolutely critical to understand the substance of Christ. You know, when, when Paul says, don't settle for shadows, make sure we have the substance of Christ. If we're not spending time in the Word, we're not going to know the substance of Christ. I mean, 
Jesus is this great ideal to a lot of people where it's, you know, Jesus was full of love and, and Jesus took care of people. Jesus did these miracles. If that is my full understanding of Jesus, I don't really have, I have the basics, but I don't really have the substance of Jesus down. That's one of the reasons that we just always are trying to consistently and continually study Scripture. Because the better I know Scripture, the better I understand the substance of Christ, and the better that my shadow and my reality can be the same thing. Paul says this, verse 18. He says, don't let anyone disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. So these are things that were going on in the world at the time. You know, asceticism, like the, the, the looking good in worship, worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, um, you know, where, where Paul says, don't miss the substance by people who are trying to distract you. And he said, here's the issue, they're not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Okay, so we know the head is Jesus. Paul refers to that in different places, Ephesians, different places, in Colossians. And almost all the time when Paul talks about the head, he's using it in two different, uh, two different ways. One is, is referring to the head as, 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 as the, the point, the, the leadership. The other way he uses it is the way that we would talk about the, the head of a river, uh, where it's the source. And so here he's saying, hey, don't remember, like, our source is Jesus. And he talks about the church, you know, where the body is held together by all its joints and ligaments, but without holding fast to the head, the uh, body doesn't work very well. And I mean, you know, I, I think sometimes Paul doesn't get overly complicated. I mean, you know, if, if you were to lose your head, your body, right? And I mean, that's, that's just, I mean, that's just, just we, we all get that word picture. We're like, yep, that makes sense to me. And Paul says, what happens when we miss the substance, it's like trying to run a body without the source of power or trying to run without like any, any leadership or any substance or any, any direction, any, anything to really sink our teeth into, anything to provide that anchor for us. And, and then we're just a shadow, and that's dangerous. The next blank is this. Part of staying connected to the head is recognizing that eternal life is knowing and living with Jesus right now. Part of making my shadow and my reality the same is recognizing that, that Christianity is not about, hey, I know Jesus, so I'm, I'm good for heaven. You know, it's not, I know Jesus, so I, kinda, I got my retirement tied up. You know, I, I joke with people sometimes about being a pastor where I'm like, you know, the pay's not great right here, but we got a great retirement, streets of gold and all that. But, but sometimes, is it, and, and, and with that, let, let me just say, the, the, the tr- you you guys, the church is so good to me. I mean, we take great care of me and my family. So, so like that—that that is never ever a slight. Um, man, we're just really, really grateful for that. But if Christianity for me ever becomes, hey, I'm just trying to lock down a place in heaven, and that's really what I'm worried about, man. Again, that's that's bare minimum, and that cheapens what we have. Jesus says it this way in John 17. He says. Uh, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Verse 3, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing Jesus right now, having that relationship with him. When we pursue that well, when we work on the substance part, the shadow takes care of itself, but when we worry about the substance part, we realize that eternal life is right here, and the Gospels have more about how we live with Jesus now 
than what eternity even looks like. This is what Paul says in verse 20 through 23. He says, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why is if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. All right, the next blank is this. The danger of rules is this, is that it can make us think we are earning our place in God's kingdom. We usually, we, we don't treat rules this way, even, even when we're thinking about it. We, we don't like to think about, like, we, we, we know that, that Jesus operates on grace. We don't earn our way to heaven. And yet, when we have rules in our life, sometimes rules become those things that we end up treating like, I'm going to follow these rules enough to where, like, I, I kind of earned my way here. And, and this, is a, this is a trap that, that I find myself falling into sometimes. I'm just, I, I struggle with pride. And, and I like to do things pretty, pretty level. And if I'm not careful to remember like that I am a fully broken person who has no chance of getting to heaven on my own, then I can fall into the boat of thinking, you know what, I'm doing things well enough that, you know, God's got to look down at me and be like, well, you know, maybe, maybe he's a little bit off, but, but he's pretty close there. That's dangerous because, I mean, that's just, that's just anti-scripture, right? In Romans 3.23, says, All of sin falls short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, Wages is death. The gift of God is eternal life. There are no rules or never enough rules that we follow that we can earn our way to heaven. You know, there's a commentator I was reading this week, and he put it this way. He says, A do-it-yourself religion puts self at the center and consequently is doomed to failure. If we set as our goal self-discipline, self-awareness, self-fulfillment, self-esteem, self-actualization, or self-help, we usually wind up with a worship of the self. Such aims focus on the here and now and turn human purposes and desires into idols. And that's all shadow stuff. And in today's culture, you know, you can get all sorts of books on self-help. We talk about self-esteem, uh, you know, self-discipline, self-awareness, self-fulfillment, being true to myself, all of those things. And here's the deal. Like, all of those are taking things that God says are really good and we should do and twisting it a little bit and just kind of taking the God part out of it, right? I mean, discipline is one of the fruits of the Spirit, but self-discipline, if I'm like, hey, I'm going to do this on my own, that removes God and removes the, the spiritual transformation that He does, and then that becomes something that I do under my own power instead of me leaning on Jesus. And that becomes a shadow thing, not a substance thing. The next blank is this, is we need rules but not to earn salvation, rather to diagnose that we have a problem. A lot of times we'll, we'll read through like the laws in Scripture, you know, the Ten Commandments or any of the laws, or you know, in the New uh, Galatians especially talks about this. But a lot of times we can read those and think of them almost as a flashlight. You know, if you break down at night, you know, you go pop the hood, uh, but it's totally dark out. Like you know, things aren't working, but you can't diagnose the problem without a little bit of light on it. And a lot of times, that's how we can think about biblical laws or rules, that it's a flashlight where it doesn't, like having the rules doesn't actually fix anything, and following the rules doesn't fix anything, but it's a flashlight and that it lets us see what's broken and allows me to see. So I'm, for me, this illustration makes a lot of sense because I'm not a mechanic, so I can't fix anything in my car. So I might be able to see what's broken, but I can't fix it. 
That's where Jesus comes in. And that's what rules are like. So we need rules. Rules are helpful for us in that they help us diagnose the fact that we're broken and that we can't fix it on ourselves. That's what we need Jesus for. The next blank is this, is that Christianity is the connection that we have with the head. How we practice and observe our faith is secondary. Now, there are some wrong ways to practice and live out Christianity. But if we keep our connection with the head, if, if my primary focus and my call in Christianity is to keep my focus and my connection with Jesus, and if I'm true to that, then everything else will take care of itself. Because that connection with Jesus, that relationship with Jesus, it's making the things that are important to Jesus important to me, but not making them more important than Jesus. Which, which sometimes what we can see with people who get, get so busy about doing things where they make the things that are important to Jesus actually more important than Jesus. And then they're just helping people running through all this list. But again, that becomes a shadow of just, just checking things off the box. And my connection that I have with Jesus, if it's a true connection, if it's really relying on Jesus, then the things that are important to Him are going to be important to me. Um, and, and I'm going to be spending time in His Word to figure out more and more who Jesus is and what He's about. This is the way Paul says it in 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read through 7 or 8 verses. He's at the end of 1 Corinthians 9, and he's just talking about what it looks like for him to bring the gospel to people. He says, for though I am free from all, and Paul, he was, he was a Jew, he did all those things, but, but now as a Christian, he says, you know, kind of, I don't have to run through that checklist. He goes, though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people, that by all means, I might, have, uh, I might save some. What Paul's really saying there, he's not changing who he is. It's not like Paul was like putting on a mask and becoming a different person. But there were people who, who because of the way they were raised, had certain traditions, customs, whatever, certain ways that, that they lived. And when Paul was bringing the gospel to them, he would live out respect to them um, and honor the way that, that they did stuff. Probably, probably the modern is, is we have a, a number of conversations um, number of people at different times but I think the way Paul here Paul were around people who who would believe or who would practice like no drinking at all that, that they would just never drink alcohol at all then Paul would never drink in front of them because he wouldn't ever want that to become a reason that they didn't follow Christ or a reason that he lost credibility in his witness but then when Paul was around people who, who were different then, then he he wouldn't he wouldn't um, if Paul was around a Christian who was like hey like I have no issue at all with drinking I don't think Paul would make that a salvation issue just because Paul's like man I know the gospel I know the head and I'm going to keep the things to Jesus the most important and we're not going to let anything else become a distraction for that he says this after this 
I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul says, you know, when I follow Jesus, uh, it's, it's like an athlete. You know, you're never a successful athlete without training and without discipline. And Paul says, what I do is I keep the gospel as the most important thing. And when I keep the gospel as the most important thing, that allows me to see everything else in perspective. I think for Paul, probably at a, a level better than probably most of us in the room, for him, his, his reality and his projection, his shadow were pretty darn close to the same thing. And he said, you know, he said, the gospel is the most important thing, and I'm pretty ruthless in my discipline to make sure that is always the most important thing to me. The next blank is this. Two blanks left. Next one is this. My responsibility is to understand and live out the gospel. That's what I bring to the table as a Christian. That, that's what I do. My job is to understand the gospel, understand the message of hope that Jesus brings, and live that out. So I think the question we just asked, and this is the last blank, the question that I want us to ask today is, is my life one of substance or shadow? And, and the honest truth is that for all of us, uh, I would guess the answer is yes to both those. Is that, is that to some extent, there's a little bit of shadow in my life. Now, usually when I first become a Christian, there's a whole lot of shadow and not that much substance. And, and here I understand there's different kinds of substance, but here I'm talking about the substance of Jesus. And then what we do when we become a Christian is we spend pretty much the rest of our life figuring out how to make reality and that projection come together and be the same thing. And I don't know this side of heaven that we ever completely get there, but we work more and more and more to recognize and to have substance as as the the vast majority of my life. And and as a Christian, we we know this, it's it's easy to put a shadow of being a Christian up there. It's pretty easy to to go to church on a regular basis. It's it's pretty easy to write write a tithing check. It's Pretty easy to be nice when, when everybody's watching. It's pretty, pretty easy to be generous sometimes. And none of those are bad things. And the danger is those are all things that we would do if our substance is in Christ. And, and that's why Christianity can sometimes be dangerous because a lot of times it's pretty easy to project a pretty good walk with Jesus even if the substance isn't there. And that's a question that only you can answer, but that probably a couple people who are really close to you could answer as well. You know, your spouse probably knows if there's substance in your life or if it's just a shadow. It's a question I, I want to ask, and this is one that really only you can answer. Is my, life, is my life one of substance or shadow? A couple questions I ask myself about that is this. Is the perception that people have of me also the reality of my life? You know, if someone sends you a compliment and you read it and you're like, man, that is not me at all. I don't know how they saw that. That might let me know that, that my substance is a little bit, or my reality is a little bit different than the way I appear to others. 
Uh, another question is just this. Is the person God knows me to be also the person that those closest to me know me to be? Sometimes, sometimes we can answer this by looking at our family. Uh, because a lot of times, for whatever reason, we treat strangers sometimes better than we treat our family. You know, uh, a lot of times it's pretty easy to be pleasant to, to strangers. Um, but then sometimes, you know, a family member says something and like the fuse is short and we just end up blowing up or we find ourselves saying something to our spouse where we say, and we're like, oh my gosh, uh, I didn't, didn't mean that. And, th- and that lets us know sometimes that that shadow and that substance still has some work left to do. And so, is your life one of substance or shadow? And this changes everything because starting next week, we get into kind of the brass tacks of how you live out being a Christian. Where Paul spends some time talking about families, talks some time about, you know, living in the light, talks about being an employer, an employee, talks about being a father, talks about being a child, and gets through all of these. And all of those are so important because those, if there's substance there, look like Jesus. If there's not substance there, then it's a pretty shadow, but there's nothing behind it. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for us here in just a second. And uh, we're going to have a, a song after that. Tim will come up afterwards and do us, uh, give us some announcements. Um, but if you're here today, and you're thinking, you know what, my life is, there's, there's just no substance there. I mean, if I'm honest with myself, there's a lot of shadow. That's okay, because everybody, everybody is there at some point in their life. Let's not leave today, though, without having a conversation about that. You know, if you make your way up by the drum set, or if you just stay in your seat when service is over, uh, we have some, some men and women who would be glad, who, who just feel it's a blessing to come and talk with you and pray with you about what it looks like to add substance to our life. You know, maybe you're here today, and, and you're a follower of Jesus, but you're looking at your life, whether it's finances, whether it's, it's uh, your family, whether it's your career, and you realize that, like, the appearance that people see is very far from what's going on in your heart. Again, that's not something to be discouraged about because that's every one of us and we just spend the rest of our life bringing those things together. But if that's you, one of the hardest things to do is to do that by ourselves. I mean, even Paul in Colossians says, you know, the body together as a church is joined with Jesus. That's part of the reason we get to be the church is we get to help each other make that journey. And so if you're sitting here today again and you're thinking, you know what, my substance is not there, but there's an awful lot of shadow there, well, let's start fixing that today. Let's start bringing those things closer together. So let me pray for us. If you want to talk to somebody, uh, when service is over, stay in your seat, make your way up here, and we will get you connected with someone. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for Paul. Thank you for just the, the wisdom, the divine inspiration you gave him um, so that he could be a blessing, not just to the church there in, in Colossae, but, uh, but to people throughout history as we're trying to figure out how to make our lives more and more and more filled with the substance of Jesus. Jesus, I, I pray that you uh, would just give us the courage, determination, um, and, and the, the eyes to see accurately the substance and the shadow that we have in our life. Jesus, allow us to never settle for a life of appearance or shadow when there's so much there for us, so much more there for us. Jesus, uh, just, uh, yeah, give us the conviction we need to take that step. Jesus, amen. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the transformation you do in and through us.